you pressed play and this is what you get. <laughs> Welcome to the Sun's Jam Session <laughs> podcast. I'm John and I'm joined by my cohort in crime, Matthew. How are you doing today, Sir Matthew Lissy? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? <laughs> no complaints here whatsoever. <laughs> the sun is up, the sky is blue, it's beautiful, and so are you. Thank you. That's actually a John Lennon quote. Is it? Yes. Oh, F that guy. He was hey, a bad hey. dad. Hey, yeah, he was a bad dad. But that's from <laughs> D- Dear Prudence, which is on the White Album, and uh, I'm a huge Beatles ah, fan. So ah, okay. I like to All say right. that to people, but then people always are, you know, they're taken aback. They're like, you're like, the sun is up. They're like, yeah, the sky is blue. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. You're right. And so are you. They're like, whoa, buddy. Whoa. Well, a little too too far. Here. Too far. Yeah, you're good at quoting things that I have no idea what you're talking about because I usually just listen to something and I forget. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, on the other hand, you remember everything. So Yeah, I walk around and quote things all the time. Yeah. And the best thing is like, if you hear my quotes and you get it, you're like, oh, that was great. And if you don't get it, I just keep on talking. Uh-huh. I'm like, let me explain it. Although I did just literally explain it. Do you want to hear my dad joke of the week? I've got a funny one for you. Yeah, what is it? New segment? All right. All right. No, it's not a new segment, but I, it's, I follow one of those Instagram pages with like dad jokes. And I saw this one the other day and I can't stop telling it to people because I think it's really funny. Okay. Uh, is, is butt cheeks <laughs> one word or do I spread them apart? <laughs> that's stupid. good <laughs> it's stupid well you like how i like i laugh as soon as you say butt cheeks yeah like, i don't care about it. you had me at butt cheeks <laughs> yeah butt cheeks are funny <laughs> well it's, it's good to see you via zoom uh thank you everybody for pressing play and listen to the sun's jam session podcast R- remember that you can follow the podcast at sun's jam on both instagram and twitter you can listen to the podcast on the bright side of the sun podcast network and you can email the show sun's jam session at gmail.com or go to sun's jam session.com and you can interact with us via that platform uh, we have plenty to talk about today as we get ready for the exhibition games to start in orlando here in a couple days we're actually recording this on tuesday evening so um tomorrow when we post this it'll be going on i mean the sun's playing on thursday yeah. but games start tomorrow so we're super excited about that uh there's been a ricky sighting i want to talk about papa ricky finally being ricky. seen in the, the orlando bubble popping out like a uh, super mario kind of just like popping mm. out one of those pipes and being like yeah. it's a me Ricky. um so it's a lot of t- t- plenty to talk about on this podcast i'm clearly on one today and i haven't had a beer yet but you know what i'm gonna pop open a beer and we're gonna talk sons sans fans Matthew, it's official, man. It's official. The return of Papa Ricky. The Phoenix Suns tweeted today the definition of the word assist. They said assist, verb, help someone, typically by doing a share of the work. Two days until you see this duo back on the court. And then they had three beautiful pictures of both Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio. You take that coupled with a couple other... Mm -hmm. um, sightings and confirmations that Ricky Rubio is in the bubble and practicing with the team. And we can finally put a smile on our face. Can't we? Oh, we definitely can. This is uh, the most beautiful thing I can ever see in the sun's uniform is Ricky Rubio. Um, Man bun is back. I never, I never really doubted him coming back to play for the suns. Uh, He probably had COVID who knows, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's healthy and I am happy to have him back very much. So, and you got to realize, I mean, he just had a newborn child. So that might child, be a reason too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that newborn is some now like six time. months old, which is kind of crazy. It so is. he probably took an extra, some extra time to get over here. And by here, I mean Orlando because we're in Phoenix. So to get over there, I guess, and get acclimated with the team to go through the quarantine. And of course, while those things are happening, you're not going to see them. And I highly doubt that anybody's hanging out at the Orlando airport taking pictures of Ricky Rubio getting off a plane to confirm that no. he's there. It's not like it's a Russell Westbrook or James Harden situation. So he probably came in at the still of the night, got to the yacht club, started uh-huh. his quarantine, and now he's practicing with the team. So yeah. we can finally kind of lay all that to rest because I know a lot of the conversation this week is like, hey, A, no one's seen Ricky, and B, if there is no Ricky, what are we going to do? Who's going to get the minutes? Is it campaign? Mm-hmm. Is it Javon Carter? Please, God, not Nelia Kobo. So a lot of that can kind of be laid to rest. I guess my question for you, Matthew, is now that we know he's in the bubble – how much time is he really going to get to play in those first games? Because 
he hasn't been practicing the team. At least people haven't seen it. So do you think that the scrimmages are going to be an opportunity for him to kind of catch up with his legs? Because he's a guy who's going to need to get some of that conditioning in it. So what are your expectations of Ricky playing in the first couple games and how much we'll actually see him? Yeah, good question because, I mean, none of the players really have any time to practice. So these scrimmages are going to help a lot with um, all the all the players on the team. So I think for him getting back before the scrimmages really helps. Um, for minutes played, I think it's going to be difficult for all the players to play the full minutes they had this season uh, when they were averaging 30 to 35 uh, minutes a game. It's not going to happen. So I think for each player, you have to really just think of like, well, is Devin Booker going to have 30 minutes a game or 35 minutes a game like he averaged in the regular season, which is not going to happen right away. But these scrimmage games will help with that, even though they're 10-minute games. But going into the actual eight-game uh, seating mm-hmm. uh, arrangement, I think that Ricky Rubio will be ready just as much as any other player just because he's had the time now because he's back before the scrimmages. Well, I mean, today is the 21st, and we have 10 days officially until the NBA season kicks back off. And it was kind of interesting today. I was looking down at my phone, and I saw that it was July 21st, and I was kind of taken aback a little bit. It's summertime in Arizona. The monsoon is right on the verge of hitting the Valley of the Sun. So there's a certain kind of time of year that you feel – knowing that when the monsoon hits, typically baseball is the only thing that's really happening. The draft is over, free agency's done in the NBA, and you yeah. got about a month until mini camps and things of that nature begin. And that's the normal thing of things. Normal thing of things. The normal <laughs> uh, swing of things, of how the ebbs and flows of a year goes. And I look down at my phone, and I go, it's the 21st of July. There's nothing going on. We're 10 days away from basketball start. I like everything. Like I needed confirmation that 2020 is just nuck and futz. This was just a little mental confirmation that I had today. And then I looked down as I was looking at my phone. That's when the tweet popped up that Ricky Rubio was back. And like, I just found uh-huh. a smile on my face. And I was like, you know what? Things are going to be okay. I feel like Ricky is kind of like that stabilizer. And, and we know the Suns aren't going to make the playoffs. But knowing that Ricky's going to be there to assist that team, to help his teammates become better in that eight games, to lead that team. That was one of the great things that we uh, discovered when we had Jack Borman on the show last week was how much he missed Ricky in Minnesota because of the leader that he was and the positive kind of guy he was. And I kind of missed that. Like with no Ricky in my life, there's been nothing but negativity. The news is terrifying. You go anywhere, everybody's mad. Now Ricky's back. I'm like, I don't know. I just smile. Perhaps I'm a nerd. Perhaps I'm uh, reading way too much into it, but I just, I'm happy that Ricky's back. I'm hoping that we see more of him than I expect. Cause I expect that in those first couple games, he will be on a minutes restriction because he hasn't been conditioning as much as the rest of his team. Yeah. Yes, we have 10 days. Yes, we have three scrimmages. But he has not been scrimmaging with the team as much as – every. I mean, they've been there for two weeks now, scrimmaging – not yeah. scrimmaging, but practicing yeah. together and strength training together. And he's going to be a little bit behind. And we're pro- that'll probably manifest itself in the first couple of games, I would think. Yeah. Um, I really had no doubt, though, that he would come back. And I'm glad you're so happy to see him just as much as me. Um, but I think that for Ricky Rubio – in the whole team, I even saw it on their, um, they had a Zoom conference call. I don't know. I think it was before they even decided to come back and play in the bubble. But this team seemed motivated. They seem like they have something to prove. And I know uh, you just said that they probably aren't going to make the playoffs. They're not. But they are uh, destined to do some damage. I really think that. Being healthy. Because they know. They know that the league has not seen them at full strength. Just like we know. And now that they are, besides Kelly Oubre, who might play maybe even the third or fourth game if he can get healthy, uh, we might surprise some people out there. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. And I think it's funny that the Bobra lineup, we're finally going to kind of see it in its entirety. And I don't yeah. know if you saw this the other day, but I wrote a piece on Bright Side of the Sun about Mikel Bridges. And I put something in there about, hey, I, like, I don't want to be an ass, but I kind of feel like I personally coined the term Bobra. You did. You did. And, and I remember I, I saw it in someone's article and I was like, hey, did you, yeah, did you ask like, or did they ask you yeah, they're to like, use this? I, or, or, <laughs> it's not a matter of asking me to use it, but it's like, and I came up with that, right? Because it was a tweet that came out on like January 20th. It's like, what should we call them? I'm like, Bobra. And I explained yeah. why. And then I put that actual tweet on the article and I said like, hey, if anybody can prove me wrong that somebody else said it before me, I'm all good with that. Just let me know. And like nobody said anything. So I'm going to take credit. <laughs> yeah, they're scared. They're <laughs> I coined it. They're terrified scared. of me. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, you were talking about the scrimmages and it's official. I mean, starting on Thursday, the Suns will play the Jazz at 5 p.m. Arizona time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern time. 
and the scrimmages begin. Following that, they play on the 26th against Boston, on the 28th against Toronto. And it's kind of interesting. I was watching The Jump today, and it had uh, Rachel Nichols on it with Perkins, and uh, I forget who the third guy was was in there. Um, But they were talking about it, and they were explaining how it's going to be a little bit different. You mentioned the 10-minute quarters. The first exhibition game, so the Suns against the Jazz on Thursday, they're going to feature 10-minute quarters. The other two scrimmages will have your standard 12-minute quarters, but those 10-minute quarters is just an effort to not overexert the guys. To again, it's all about you know you can't sprint before you jog or you run. You can't run before you unless you jog. You can't jog unless you walk. So they're kind of stepping the guys up in the best way they know how to get them conditioned and ready for games in the bubble. And it was interesting kind of hearing some of the other things that uh, Rachel Nichols was talking about, seeing mm. as she's in the bubble reporting in there. But she was talking about how the scrimmages are designed to have a team who is most likely not going to play that team in the playoffs go against each other. So, like, yeah. the Suns most likely aren't going to make the playoffs, so it doesn't really matter. But they play the Jazz, and then they play Boston and Toronto. So if by some miracle they make the playoffs, the only way they would ever go against Boston and Toronto is if they made the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. The reason for this is this allows the coaches to actually kind of work together and get the most out of the scrimmage. So it's not like it's two teams going against each other trying to win a game. They're scrimmaging. They're running sets for each other to test the player's knowledge of the offense, to try a couple of different things and, and tweak uh, uh, the player's minds, if you will, to get the best performance they can out of them. Are you surprised that the coaches are working together like this in this scrimmage format? I'm actually not. This is just uh, special circumstances to where the the players and the coaches, they know they're going to help each other out. They know that because of what's going on, the best way to be prepared and to have a least likely chance of a player getting injured, um, you want to go through things like this for three games. And I think it's perfectly formatted to where they can have three games against these teams, even though you keep saying they're not going to make the playoffs. I'm getting very down over here. I don't know. Like, this is the second time. I, I know they're probably well, not. Well, I mean, statistically, I just, it's like, yeah, it's so they can go eight and oh, and they still might not get in. Like, it's. <sighs> See, I don't think that You know, because sense, they need but... to make up six games. They need to make up six games with eight to play. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, man. This isn't like I the know. Boston Red Sox in like 1979 and Bucky fucking Dent or whatever. Mm. Like, this is, it would take a, a, a collapse of monumental proportions. I just, I can't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Everything's got to break right for the Suns. I'm just thankful that we get eight games out of them. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm the realist. I know everyone's like, oh, they're going to go eight. No, it's like, yeah, I hope they do. Hell, even if they do, it might not matter. But who cares? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm no, so happy. And yeah, I'm, 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 you're so down. It's like yin and yang tonight, bruh. No, I'm not so down. I mean, I'm usually <laughs> typically down as a person, you know. I have depression issues, just joking. But uh, anyways, so yeah, the scrimmage games, I'm glad that the coaches are doing this to get them prepared. They, I really am. I think it's just a very fantastic idea. Everything is just going so well, so freaking great. Just everything is just turning out great right now, and I'm very excited. Even though you keep bringing me down saying they're not going to make the playoffs, I'm very much looking forward. Even before, I think there was like two podcasts before when I wasn't very excited for the scrimmages. I didn't know they are going to be televised. I thought this would just be something that we can't even watch or see highlights of. But now that we have the chance to actually view these, I'm mm-hmm. very excited to watch. Yeah, and I'm not 100% sure where they're going to be available to watch. Fox Sports Arizona, right? Is it, is it really? I don't know. Yeah, on that tweet, it says, tune in to watch Fox Sports Arizona. Oh, heck yeah. So, I mean, so, that, that's what I'll be doing on Thursdays, just watching yeah. those. I don't, I don't know how long I'll be engaged with it. Like, like, have you watched any of the MLB Summer League games so far? No, I haven't. It, and so, I didn't even know they were on until the Yankees were on. I had no. <laughs> and I saw. I think it was uh, Gambo. He was watching the Yankees game. I think he's a Yankees fan. Yeah. So he he was watching it, and I did, I just saw a tweet from him. I'm like, what? The Yankees are playing? But I know they don't count yet. But I had no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Diamondbacks are playing the Dodgers in Chavez Ravine out in what LA, and it's on like Fox Sports Arizona. Yeah. And I'm a huge Dodgers fan. I do like the Diamondbacks. They are the hometown team, so I'll always support them. But I was just like, oh, hey, sweet, Dodgers, Diamondbacks. And then, like, I'm like, I'll turn it on. I'll watch for, like, five seconds. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. for me, MLB, I'm so kind of – it's like a tough relationship right now. It's like – It is. Well, you have a lot going on. And then, plus, you got fantasy, 60 games, like, a bunch of yeah. stuff you got to push aside, you know? You got yeah, more things so- to focus on right now, John. Yeah, this is true. And, it's, it's, <laughs> but, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how engaged I'm going to be with the scrimmages because I'm so excited for Suns basketball to come back. Yeah. And it's like I said, when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, you're like, eh, I probably won't watch them. I'm like, I don't care. It, it's something mm-hmm. new. I mean, that's what we've been missing for the past four, four and a half months is something new. That's why I'm excited to see it. I mean, literally since we've had this podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun Network, we've had like 
four games and then all the shit went to hell. So, I mean, we only got to really talk about it. Now, granted, when we were doing our podcasts independent of Bright Side, we had this whole season squared away. We were doing our recaps. We were doing our my top threes. We were doing all this fun, exciting content because new content was constantly being provided. And now, like, there's going to be content. I get to watch DeAndre Ayton, see how he actually looks. And, again, it's not in game shape, and they're going to be running sets, and it's going to be kind of weird, but it's something new. And for yeah. that, I'm excited. Yeah, you want me to unexcite excited, you now? Man. Um, I've want- already been unexcited. I don't okay. even know where I'm at right now. It's so much flip- flipping and flopping going on. I have no idea what's going on. Damn, what is? It's like you're Manu Ginobili over there. <laughs> I'm on steroids. So I'm a little up and down. You know? I told you not to Gyms are take closed. those things, put man. steroids in you. <laughs> HGH, just sitting at home. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Phoenix Suns did fire two assistant coaches. Wah, wah, wah. The Phoenix Suns fired two assistant coaches, both Steve Blake and Larry Greer, just before heading down to the Disney bubble. Mm -hmm. So as excited as we were with Ricky coming back and exhibition games, it is unfortunate to to have this happen. I know it's something that actually happened a few days ago. We just haven't had a chance to talk about it. Um, Can you just tell me what your thoughts are on this? Um, It was very out of nowhere. Um, So I don't know if I had the facts down correct, um, but I feel like teams are letting go of – some assistant coaches for financial reasons. Is that right? I feel like I've heard that yeah. a few times. So, I mean, there was nothing really um, left to say from Monte. He went over it in a interview uh, after the, after practicing, it was two days or three days ago. Mm-hmm. He mentioned like, he just has long lasting friendships with both of them. Uh, he coached Steve Blake. So I'm sure it was hard on him, but there was nothing really released unless you know something I don't know of why the both were fired and let go. No, it was just confirmed that they weren't there. And I think you're, you're right. It's financially based. Um, these were guys who yeah. essentially Monty's like, hey, they weren't going to be with us long term. Who knows what read between the lines what that says. It's like, hey, they were good coaches. And, and Steve Blake is somebody I really liked as a coach. I don't yeah. know much about uh, uh, David Greer. I know that he was around the team. And he has somebody who has both professional and collegiate basketball experience. But Steve Blake is somebody who was a, a guard in the league for a long time. He won a national championship back in 01 with Juan Dixon for, uh, with the Maryland Terrapins. And he's somebody who was a good influence on a lot of these young guards that we have. And so and we'd go to remember going to the games, like Steve Blake be out there, like just shooting hoops with those guys, like mm-hmm. during shoot around. I mean, he was just a good guy to have around. Uh, I'm sure the Suns have their reasons. It's just unfortunate that it had to happen because you don't want to see anything like this truly happen, but that's just kind of, it's business. It's yeah. just business, man. Plus maybe it's something where if you wait till next season, they have the room to add them back on. Maybe there's, that's why there's no comments being made. It's probably is financial and just like the mm-hmm. injury situation and the COVID um, Monte can't comment and he's not going to comment on this and no one will until maybe next season where we can maybe get them back. Cause I'm sure there'll be room for two more assistants and why oh, not, yeah. why not add Steve Blake and Larry Greer back? Yeah. Love it. Larry Greer. Did I say David Greer earlier? Oh yeah. <laughs> the did. comedian. Yeah, Jeez. David Greer. Yeah, yeah. HBO Jeez, I'm, special. I'm on fire. Um, Cameron Payne is wearing number 15. Maybe. Maybe. Well, it's not for sure yet. So tell me I, about I, this. So we got that lunch bet, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess number 18. You said 16, right? Yeah, and yeah. So rumor is he's over. wearing 15 in practice. So we'll right. see. Maybe the we'll scrimmage see. will be the first opportunity to see if he's actually wearing a number. It doesn't count until the NBA game starts. Like yeah. if it, on July 31st. 31st. Okay. Yeah. I really yeah. want that lunch bet. Yeah, I just, it's funny. I just, I saw something about that. So I'm like, okay, let's just bring it up now to see if this might be true. But of course, we got to wait to the game, uh, the, the official games. So. Yes, but the, the first sign says he's at 15. It's like, man, I was so close. So close, man. So close Almost to some Chiba Hut. Ugh. Oh, I forgot it was Chiba Hut. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh I, oh, I didn't forget. I didn't forget. Right. Uh, another nice thing to talk about. Here's some positive news for you yeah, in Orlando. Come. All right, here we go. Of the 346 players tested for COVID-19 on the NBA campus since the results were last announced on July 13th, zero have returned a confirmed positive test. What are your thoughts on this? Fantastic. Yes. I feel like I'm the... I'm one of the true believers in this whole situation where I just thought it would work perfectly. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be this soon, though. For all the players to come back negative, that is crazy. Because that is, I mean, we haven't even played a game yet. But, of course, they can still contract the virus and something could happen in the future. But for them to all come back negative, uh, that just shows me that everything has been drawn out perfect like I thought. But this was sooner than I thought, right? I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say sooner. I would just say this is a confirmation of the NBA's time and effort in putting this whole thing together and how well thought out it was. There still might be an opportunity, obviously. I mean, the, or the, the season's going to go on for another two and a half, three months. 
So it's definitely an opportunity, especially once people's families start showing up and other outside variables start entering the bubble that this changes and you don't want that to happen. Obviously, this is just a great sign. This is showing the NBA showing the world like, Hey, listen, we had a well thought out process and it's working right now. And other play, other, you know, especially like the NFL, they need to start really put into motion a lot of the different processes and procedures that they need to do to make the NFL season successful. And I know that some of the players this week have actually mentioned something like, Hey, like what's going on? Like we haven't seen anything. The NBA has been nothing but transparent. They've let everybody know what's going on. Clearly they've executed it flawlessly to this point. I'm yeah. with you. I'm one of the optimists on this. I know there's a lot of negative people uh, who think that this wasn't going to work, who said the season's a farce. Why are you doing this? And at the end of the day, the players wanted to do this. They want to go play. This is their legacy. This is their opportunity to play basketball is something that they love to do. And it's just so nice to see that it's working thus far. Again, I don't know if it's something that's going to change here in about, you know, a month and a half when they get to the playoffs. And uh, this, I think it's the second round of the playoffs is when families and things of that nature can start to show up to the bubble. Correct. Yeah. And if I still predict though, if anybody does come back positive, I don't think it'll be released. I think they're just going to keep playing. Yeah, you think so? They're just going to try I to push so. through it. Well, we'll, <laughs> yeah. well, we'll see. And I think this is just a great start to the bubble, knowing that we're getting ready to do scrimmages and everything that's coming out of there is nothing but positive. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. you see the guys, they're fishing, they're playing bags, you know. I think it's great because a lot of people are now concerned. It's like, do you think that this might result in the next great super team? Uh, absolutely. Don't you? I don't know. They're all hanging out together. This I, is I like, this is like the out, Olympics on crack. So the hanging out thing, I mean, they all have social media. They all have phones, right? Yeah. Obviously. So why don't they just, if they want to create a super team, all they have to do is hit each but other up on the is, phone. That, that's different, man. Like if I start tweeting you like, hey, Matthew, do you want to like start a super team? Or you and me are just hanging out playing bags and bullshitting and having that good banter back and forth. Because anybody can sit there and tell you their one thing. I mean, look at a resume, for example. A resume is going to be the best version of a person. And they hand that to you. And then they answer questions and say, here's the reasons I'm the best person for you. But if you're actually like go and hang out with that person and talk to them and really understand what makes them tick and who they actually are as a human being more than on, their, on the surface, then you really go, hey, I can mesh with this person or this person would be great working with me. That's why like, I'm somebody who does a lot of interviews, although I love to interview people and and see where their professional career, how it aligns with the vision that I have. You never truly know who somebody is until you actually have one of those in-depth conversations. One of my interviewing strategies is to try to have a few questions that spark more of a conversational, philosophical, conversational aspect of their human self and their human experience versus just like, hey, how good are you at Word? How good are you at Excel? You know, so I mean, I think the same thing is going to be going on in the NBA bubble where guys are just like, Hey, you know, I've always, you know, like Dame Lillard, him and I are boys. Like, you know, we tweet at each other from time to time, but now that I'm actually sitting in a room with him. Like this dude is awesome. Oh my God. I would love to hang out with him every night on the road. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. But I just, I don't think it's that way. I think the players know how these players are on the court. That's all that matters. I think when super teams were created before they know each other's game and of course they want to put up with each other. But I feel like even Dwayne Wade and LeBron got sick of each other after, what, four years in Miami? Like, they mm-hmm. couldn't stay together. I know LeBron wanted to go back to Cleveland, but I think these players just know what they need on the court. They can see each other's games that way to where they can just tweet each other or uh, DM each other, whatever, whatever that way. I don't think they really need to hang out with each other to know, like, oh, I can play with this guy. The same thing with DeAndre And I think Devin Booker had a big hand in that and just saying this guy can be ferocious. And I think they hung out and stuff when it came to Phoenix for tryouts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But – they hung out. I don't exactly. know if they really they mesh. I know, but I don't know if they even really mesh. And I think that he just saw someone as a big dude that can stand under the basket, that can maybe dunk the ball, some guy that's efficient, some guy that can eventually be a good defender, whatever. And that's what Devin Booker wanted. I just think these players can see the other players and know what they need to, to be a champion, supposedly. No one like Booker who doesn't really know like – um, how to actually win yet in big games or win in the playoffs yet. But the players that would form a super team, those are players that are already like in the playoffs. Uh, Joel Embiid or, um, you know, anybody that uh, you can even say they're like missing the, that one piece. The, yeah. The they ones know they're, they're missing, missing that piece. And they need that piece. And I think they can just see it from them playing the game. I think they could definitely see it through them playing the game. But I think, again, that camaraderie is what actually starts the, the the conversation that leads to that occurring. I can sit there, like LeBron can sit there and be like, man, if I had somebody like Dwayne Wade next to me, that would take me to the next level. Hey, 
that'd be awesome to play with him. And then they go on the, and they play in the 2008 Olympics together with Bosch and they go, Hey, Bosch is a cool dude. He would fit our yeah. narrative perfectly. Hey, when we're all free, when, when Bosch and LeBron are free agents in 2010, let's all get together. So that conversation starts. Yeah. They can sit there and say, Hey, this is the piece that I need, but there's like four guys who could fit that narrative. You need to find the guy who you mesh well with. And of course they stopped liking each other after four years in Miami. You have, you know, huge egos, massive egos you got social media you got pressure you got all those things i'm surprised they last as long as they did i mean there's there's too many outside external factors who are pushing that rock trying to make it into a diamond all the time and that mm-hmm. eventually you know it just collapsed upon them so i think with the nba bubble the way that's going on you're having new relationships being developed it's players all just always around players it's not players going to their hotel rooms and hanging out like it's on the road you know they oh uh, half the team went out to dinner uh, booker just stayed home no they're these guys are all hanging out together and they're having those conversations and i think eventually in about two or three years we're gonna have another great super team and who knows where that's gonna happen and they're gonna say yeah you know back in 2020 when we were in the bubble we started talking about it it's funny you bring that up with booker because he actually released a statement i think it was on today's media availability where he was talking about He's just focused on basketball. All the bags, all the games are fine. But he's really just focused on getting his team to where they need to be and all that. So he's just focused on the game. And, and he also said, like, hey, I could be in an empty arena and I'll be fine because I'm used to – he's like, I made plenty yeah. of shots in an empty arena. I don't need the fans there. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, yeah, you're right, man. I've yeah, seen totally. plenty of uh, YouTube plenty of clips. So. Yeah. What do you think of the courts in Orlando? I, saw I think it looks awesome. Today. Yeah, tell me about those. Yeah, so they gave me the feel of, like – the celebrity all-star game kind of you know how they have like the separate arena for the celebrity all-star game usually yeah that's what it looks like it's it looks beautiful i think it looks amazing and i'm excited to see these players on the court they have the black lives matter which um is on the center court Mm -hmm. but also just the surrounding stuff it just looks like it was well thought out just like everything else yeah shocking huh freaking amazing well what's interesting is how they have all of the different chairs set up for the benches for the teams is that they're all like yeah, those are the benches. The they had pictures of like what? three tiers of because you have coaches and then you have players yeah. and things of that nature. But all the chairs are like six feet apart. Like, do you think they need to be? No. I mean, they're all in the bubble. Like, why are they still social distancing? Oh, I, okay. I thought those were just for like players that aren't playing that want to watch the games. I thought that was them. Okay, maybe sit? that's what that is. Because I was like, if you're on the bench and you're playing in the game already, like you are already bumping bodies. So why? Yeah. Do you, why do you need the, to be separated? Bump bodies out there, but once you get back here, six feet. <laughs> well, well I, I was, I was also thinking like it might be like an example. You know, it's like, hey, see, even the NBA, they're always social distancing just to kind of oh, do that yeah. like psychological. Like I was watching the news last night. And one of the reporters for the local affiliate here in Phoenix, Fox 10, was wearing a mask while he was reporting. I'm like, dude, why are you wearing a mask, man? Like, you're, no one's around you. And I'm like, hey, you know uh-huh. what? It sends a good message to people. Like, hey, remember, mask up. Yeah. No, it could be that. But I think that's just for the players to watch when they're not playing, honestly. Okay. I didn't think so, about, about I would like hope that. so. But yeah, the arena looks great. It looks uh, like a basketball great. court. Stellar. I mean, it's, it, it's nothing too crazy, but I think that it's what it's going to serve its purpose. It's so uh, cool. So yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's just like it's that next step towards something actually happening. Uh, Shams Charania tweeted today that they're actually moving up the draft lottery to August 25th, or from August 25th, I'm sorry, to August 20th. So we're actually a month away, less than a month now, from the NBA draft lottery. Hey, we're in five days, baby. <laughs> yeah, just like baby. that, boom. Uh, he didn't say why or what led to this, but hey, then the draft is still going to remain on October 16th. Yeah. Um, very exciting, right? So we can, we can right after these eight games, we can just hop on the draft, the draft lottery yep. and see where the Suns land. That's yeah, going to be great. So I mean, yeah, but I mean, Non-stop. the Suns, their last game is what, like the eighth, I think? Uh, you know what? Yeah, so I was, yeah, or the 31st. Tenth. I think it's, yeah, so I think the, it's tenth. the tenth. I mean, you have a week in between, so. Yeah, we'll have 10 days. We'll get amped up for the draft, you know, lottery and find out, hey, <laughs> we, got, we got the seventh pick, trade it. Yeah, I can't wait. Good news. Uh, another, another thing that was announced today in the NBA was the fact that none of the uh, seating games that are going to be taken into consideration for any of the postseason awards. So essentially these last eight games, even though it's roughly about 11% of the regular season, considering which team you're on and how many teams or games you've played thus far in the season, none of it's actually going to matter towards the All-NBA, the Kia Rookie of the Year, the Defensive Player of the Year, and the MVP award. Uh, do you think this is right? Yeah, I actually do. I side with them. I think that... To me, the awards were already um, pretty much decided before this pandemic. I think that the rookie of the year, John Morant, you have defensive player of the year. And um, I don't know, defensive player of the year is kind of up in the air. But the MVP, I think, is Giannis. I know that there's still a little bit more games with the eight games. But 
I think it was decided before, no matter how the season finished, a lot of people were on Giannis winning the, winning the MVP. So I don't think it affects it that much. Well, one thing I think we'll do either next podcast or the following, I'm not sure when we'll fit it in, is I'd really like to go over the NBA regular season awards because I think that we might have some differences. So I think we should really do a podcast where we're just talking NBA regular season awards yeah. uh, to include all three NBA, uh, all NBA teams and the all defensive teams because I think it would be kind of fun to do. Yeah. No, we can see that in. Yeah. Any pod. I, just 10 minutes yeah. maybe. Yeah, maybe just two maybe, of us. Maybe, maybe 15. Well, 15. Okay. <laughs> maybe 20. <laughs> no, you we know, should. You know, that would actually be maybe one where we uh, – maybe we can get with those Fanning the Flames guys, and maybe they yeah. can join us for that because I think it would be a fun be awesome. narrative. Yeah, so yeah, let's do that. But just an FYI, they're saying that none of the seeding games are going to be taken into consideration for any of the postseason awards. So okay. I we'll mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, uh, what do you – Yeah, no, it, no, no, you're right, though. It, it, I think it's right. It doesn't make sense because you don't know how hard the Lakers are going to go at it because they're all – the teams that are on the top, they're using these as tuning games. I mean, and don't get me wrong, like normally games in April are tuning games for the playoffs. You start to sit LeBron at the end of the uh, regular season. He, he doesn't play 36 minutes. He's playing 20 minutes. So it's going to be similar in that aspect, but I still think that uh, I think it's just kind of the right thing to do. Yeah, me too. Definitely, man. All right, you know what time it is, Matthew? It is time for Dumb Trade of the Week. Nothing huge on this dumb trade of the week. This is just one that we saw on uh, Facebook from Joshua Payne. Thankfully, Bleacher, Bleacher Report didn't shove a shitty one up our ass this week. So thank you for that, Bleacher Report. We appreciate it. Uh, this is the one that Joshua Payne proposed, though. He said the Bulls would get Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, and Cam Johnson, along with a 2020 second-round pick, which do we even have a 2020 second-round pick this year? Uh, I don't know. I don't pay attention to the second-round picks. Yeah. Well, I don't think we have one this Sorry. year. I think we only have a first rounder and then a 2021 first round pick. And we would get okay. a 2020 first round pick from the Bulls, which would actually be kind of a decent pick this season. Uh, we get Sadoransky and we get Lori Markinen. So this is one of those trades that, you know, for some reason people are really in love with Lori Markinen. Um, tell me what your thoughts are on this trade, Matthew. Oh, first off, I mean, you're, you're filling a hole. You got the power forward. So mm -hmm. good job there. But then you remove Rubio and Cam. So you're, gonna need a point guard again and then you're yeah. gonna need some more uh some more bench activity that cam provides so you're you're clogging holes but then more holes are popping up so yeah of course not i mean you gotta you gotta take this team to where to where they need to go and i think by doing that you gotta fill in the holes you can't no i, I completely agree i mean yeah we've solved oh, all right you solved the power forward oh now we need a uh, a point guard and we gave away rubio oh and ty jerome I mean, it just doesn't make much yeah, sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And the, the love affair with Laurie Markin, and I want to talk about this for a little bit. So one thing that's been exciting this week is the Bright Side of the Sun has developed a partnership with bballindex.com. So if you guys ever get a chance, go to bballindex, and there's some really in-depth statistics that this site takes and puts together and kind of contextualizes so you have an opportunity to not only look at different i mean this is like an analytics uh wet dream is what this website is uh there's a subscription for it. it's like five dollars but it's something that we're going to be utilizing on bright side of the sun to just kind of compare contrast break down players and just kind of put statistics against a lot of things that we already knew like for example like you know devin booker is an amazing shooter, but he is also somebody who is always shooting under pressure. Well, there's actually statistics that show more than just the NBA advanced stats. Uh, they show that. So I was really looking at Laurie Markkinen on B-Ball Index, and I decided to just kind of compare him to Mikel Bridges because essentially that's what we're doing, right? We're saying Laurie Markkinen yeah. is going to be our power forward, and that's what Mikel's been playing. And you start to look at some of the in-depth statistics on Laurie Markkinen, and I can see why some people are initially impressed with him. He's somebody who is an outstanding rebounder. We know, obviously, that that is a weakness of Mikael Bridges. He's somebody who, you know, from a defensive rebounding standpoint, if you look at his defensive rebounds per 75 possessions, he has about four, which is in the 34 percentile in all the NBA. Whereas Laurie Markkinen has 72, is in the 72 percentile with 6.2. Uh, you look at kind of their adjusted box-out rate, and Laurie Markkinen boxes out better than Mikael Bridges. These are things we know. But that's his primary one-up, if you will, on Mikael Bridges. From a shooting standpoint, we think that Laurie Markkinen is a fantastic shooter, especially from downtown, and it's just not necessarily the case. His perimeter shooting, he's a D+. Plus. He's in the 39 percentile in all of the NBA from downtown, whereas Mikael Bridges is a C. Okay, Not such a great upgrade, 
but you look kind of across the board and catch and shoot pull up ability. You have Mikael Bridges is ahead there. Corner three point percentage, Mikael Bridges. You look at catch and shoot three point percentage, Mikael Bridges. Three point uh, foul rate. So somebody who actually catches, uh, who gets fouled from downtown. It's not much, but Laurie Markin has him there. But you start to look at a lot of the in depth analytical statistics. And I'm just not overly impressed with what his upside is. Mm-hmm. He can rebound, he can shoot a little bit, but then you start to look at Mikael Bridges, who, as I wrote in that article this week, is a true glue guy. And he's somebody who, guards the tier one player for the offensive team 25.4 percent of his time on the court which is in the 93rd percentile in the nba he guards the hardest guy okay what's his nugget uh laurie markinen he he's guarding the tier three guy the majority of his time his 93 percentile is at the tier three guy so he's guarding your third best player you look at i mean it's just kind of i mean across Mm -hmm. the board i think that we're trying to get Laurie Market in here for some reason because we feel like he's going to be an offensive upgrade on McHale. But McHale's showing that he can be an offensive player while still carrying with him so much defense. I mean, his perimeter defense, it's just like A minus, A minus, A, A, A minus. And Laurie Marketing, B plus, C minus, C, C minus. Yes. It's just, you know, so I mean, it's just, to me, it's far and away. We got to keep McHale, man. He's going to develop. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing you're wrong at is it's not Mikel, it's Kelly Oubre, right? <laughs> that's that's the guy no, who's traded. Or well, no? Yeah, well, that's the guy who gets traded. But at the end of the day, yeah. like, where's Laurie Markin going to end up? He's going to end up playing the four, which is what Mikel's doing. Mikel doesn't play the four. He's your three. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I think you can really mix and match with this team in the starting lineup because I've even said, like, you want to put LaMelo Ball at the three, stuff like that. I just think yeah. you can experiment with the length and stuff we have with this team. So you have two players with the potential. And right now you're saying Markin is not really hitting the check marks or he's not check marking the boxes. <laughs> so <laughs> what, so which player do you want over the other? Of course we want Mikel. Laurie, mm-hmm. I feel like for some reason became very, very sexy uh, out of nowhere. And I think a lot of people jumped on him. I don't know why, maybe because we just need a power forward so bad, but I think that just because he can hit the three, and that's it, maybe. <laughs> that's why people liked him so much. Well, exactly. He, he's, if, a defense, he's a decent offensive player. Yeah, so I don't know where that – where did it all – even I was on it. And I don't, now I'm like, like what, why was I doing that? Why was – why did I want Laurie so much? And I can't well, remember. Because, well, because – Was I drugged? He, <laughs> well, no, he, he displayed a displeasure of being in Chicago. So, of course, when you need the four and you hear about a four who is a young player and, and showcases some promise – being upset you're like hey bring him in yeah but then you go you know there's there's some x factors there you know and it makes sense for him obviously coming here he's a u of a guy we have a u of a fan base here and a lot of the season ticket holders are u of a people uh, alums if you will and so there's it's almost like a natural fit but then you look at like okay how does the team mesh together you know this is a guy who's not really good on defense and we're really not good on defense. You look at his perimeter defense. He's not good at it. And as a team, that's already where our weaknesses are. So you're trying to plug him in to fortify your strengths and he doesn't fortify your strengths. He just, he, he fortifies your weaknesses. And although I do like Larry Markkinen, I don't think that he is the fit that we want him to be. I just think that his name popped up and we were like, Oh, Hey, yeah, him, he makes sense. You know, what's going to happen is we're just going to have this Bober lineup back next year. Dude, that's what I've that's been wanting what's to do this happen. whole time. Just get some depth, and I think that's what's yes, going to happen. I, keep, exactly. I know we keep talking about Ubre, and if someone puts, like, he's the most clutch three-point shooter, like, one of the most clutch, I think he was, mm-hmm. like, second in the league. Yeah, And then third. someone tweeted out, oh, was he third? All his, like, 12 threes that he made that were clutch. Yeah. And he got me pumped. I just, I didn't forget about it, but I already knew he was, but just seeing those, it's like, why the hell do I want to get rid of this guy? I, I, I don't, <laughs> but people are asking me. And I just have to give him an answer. <laughs> well, speaking of B-Ball Index, one section that we're going to add on here, and we'll have to create some intro music to this one, to this segment, is our B-Ball Index stat of the week or stat okay. of the pod. We'll come up with something. I'll record it. We'll figure it out. Maybe one of you out there, one of you sons jamsters, how would you record yourself saying B-Ball Index stat of the pod? And email that to us at sunsjamsession.com. Make it sexy, too. Yeah, make it sexy. We'll put maybe a little rock music around it. Because I want to do one of these statistics every week. Because I think that the analytic statistics are just so interesting. Because, again, they fortify who our team is and what we see. Or they also bring to light something that we really don't know. This is our B-Ball Index stat of the week. 
okay? Devin Booker, when he is one-on-one against a player, he goes left 53% of the time. He goes right 47% of the time when he's on ISO, when he's one-on-one up against a guy. 53% of the time left, 47% right. Isn't that awesome? Like, how well-balanced he is? Because you don't really think about it when you're watching him, but you're like, hey, there's some players you watch and you're like, dude, that guy always goes left or that guy yeah. always goes right. Like, Devin Booker's almost right down the middle 50-50 on how he attacks the opposition. No, it's amazing. But usually when the players are like, all right, he's going to go left, he's going to go right, just make sure, just block him. He only goes left, all right? This guy only goes left. All you got to mm-hmm. do is make sure he goes right. And they still can't do it because NBA players are just too good. Yeah. But to have a player go both ways that I never even noticed that because watching so many games, you never hear EJ or anybody even talk about which way Booker goes. Mm-hmm. And usually EJ will like, um, he'll attack the other team saying like, I don't know why you're letting this guy go left. All he does is go left. I've never heard that. So finally it makes sense because he goes both ways. Yeah. So, and I mean, good it, for it, you, it, Booker. It, well, it just shows you his versatility and how amazing he is as an offensive player. And it's for reasons like this that he can do these kind of things. He can yeah. get by players kind of as much. Now, here's a question. Kelly Oubre, what do you think his, his ratios are? Just randomly guessing. Randomly, I think he goes I think he goes right 60% of the time and 40% left. He's left-handed, but I feel like yeah. he never really went left. No, you're right. He goes left 24% of the time. Okay. So the rest of the time, he's going right over yeah, 70%. Yeah, which is strange, right? Yeah, which is strange. You know, he's a left left ball dominant player. Always goes right. But these are the kind of things that, again, B-Ball Index brings to us, and we have an opportunity to kind of look at them, and it really brings – it sheds some light on the situation on what you're seeing and actually puts like a kind of a number to it. So, again, thank you, B-Ball Index. Uh, I think I've said it enough. Again, if somebody wants to record a B-Ball Index stat of the pod and send it to sunsjamsessiongmail.com, we'd appreciate it. Uh, Let's hit some mailbag questions, huh, Matthew? You want to hit the first one? Yeah, so first one is from Nash Porter. Thank you, Nash Porter, for writing in. If you could give any of the Suns draft busts over the last several seasons another chance on the current roster, who would it be? Ooh, how about you take this one? This is tough. <laughs> it is. It oh, is. man. All of them have hurt our feelings in some oh, way, shape, or form. Man, you know what? Another chance. I don't know. I would have said Josh Jackson just because – he probably has the most potential, of course, but with his last comments on the Suns and how it's our yeah. fault that he sucks and he can't grow up, um, I would choose. Josh Jackson. <laughs> I have no idea. Who would you choose? I don't know. It's tough. I mean, Josh Jackson obviously is the clear pick right off the bat because he does have the most promise things didn't work out for him in Phoenix. There were some attitude issues. He was young and he's also coming into a situation that was very unstable with coaches, kind of the coaching carousel going on. So in his first couple seasons, he had two different head coaches, two different systems. Hell, he couldn't even understand Igor Kokoshkov. So how do you expect him to perform at a high level? So I do think that Josh Jackson yeah. is the one that I would like to still have on the current roster. Uh, although I feel like we're okay at the wing position, I can't think of anybody else going all the way back to like Alex Len, uh, Marquise Chris, a lot of the guys who just didn't work out. I just couldn't see them. I mean, Marquise Chris is a decent player, but I, I just, I don't like his attitude. I never liked his body language. He had the worst body. Language oh, the worst. Me, he, man. he is the king of that. He has the worst body language and it'll probably never go away. Um, so, I mean, it has to be Josh Jackson, man. Yeah. I mean, he was just kind of a, kind of a powder that old, Marquis Chris Um, I did throw a tweet out during the show and just said hey if anybody wants to ask any questions we're recording right now we got some responses so how about we answer some of these questions coming in from the Twitterverse huh so the first one comes from at Mr. Logical Brain so thank you Mr. Logical Brain for listening and supporting the show if campaign looks really good in Orlando are you comfortable going into next year with him as a backup point guard how does it change how we view draft free agency I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. <laughs> so what, what are your thoughts on campaign if he has a good eight games? Yeah, I think that's the reason he's really brought in. It's, at first, it's like we need someone to fill in the two-guard um, backup spot or get a power forward, someone, you know, to help out mm-hmm. on that end. But really, it's like maybe we need a point guard. Maybe Monte knows, like, hey, I need to get my guy in there, which you said before. And this gives him a chance to show what he has. And I think he'll probably surprise some people and maybe even take the backup point guard role next season. Um, so I think he can really get some good minutes. And I'm excited to see that. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, it, it, it's performance-based. You know, campaign, if he comes in here and he plays well, I can definitely see him as the backup point guard going into next season. Because if he does play well, that allows the Suns front office some flexibility. They can say, hey, Javon Carter, hey, Elliot Kobo. You know, I don't know really Ty Jerome just because he's still, That's we still have some flexibility one. with him. But both of those guys, I mean, Javon Carter slated to be a free agent. Elliot Kobo slated to be a, a restricted free agent. So you can clean up some cap space and yeah. keep Cameron Payne and then use that cap space towards other needs. So it's definitely performance-based. I think that if that is the case and we bring him in, that changes our strategy and free agency as we're going to probably look primarily to power forward and it'll probably change our draft strategy as well. Now, granted, if the Suns do fall down or move up, I guess, up into the, like the top five and they have a chance at one of those really good kind of young point guards, whether it be LaMelo Ball, even though you think he's going to play the three, or if they go for Tyrese Halliburton or the kid from, uh, um, from France, Killian Hayes. Yeah. If they have a chance yeah. at one of those guys, it, I think it still is kind of up in the air. But, I mean, Cameron Payne is going to be there next year. He's got the, the contract through next year's and it's it's an easy contract he's he's making like a million dollars you know he signed a two-year 2.1 million dollar contract so it's unbelievably favorable to the suns their hope is that you know they're throwing dice against the wall and they're hoping they hit seven that's what monty wants exactly and plus he seems like a guy that's turning the corner unlike a lot of the old suns draft picks the lottery Mm -hmm. picks he wants he said he's matured and he's ready to turn that corner so that's a big thing too well we got to see it on the court um, the next question is coming from the, a great Twitter account, which is at Dario Sharkich. It's a Dario Sarich fan Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And they ask, do you think Dario is going to stay in Phoenix over free agency? What do you think, Matthew? I think yes. Think so? All right, tell me why. Yeah, so I think Dario will be back. But again, here we go where I'm just saying he needs to be a backup power forward because we're getting uh-huh. that Boper lineup kicked in. So. Yep. As long as he can come back and be our backup, I'm all for it. And I think he will be on this team next year. I hope he's on this team next year. You know, granted, it's a qualifying offer of $5 million. And I don't know if the Suns could spend that $5 million elsewhere and get something better. But at the same time, I believe alongside you that the Bober lineup is the way to go next year. Another year of maturity with this team that showcased this year their effectiveness on the court together can do nothing but get you excited. So what do you want to do with that lineup? Well, of course, you want to fortify it with good, solid players and veterans. And you want to talk about a good, solid player? That's Dario Saric. That's a guy who hustles his ass off. That's a guy who cannot make a layup on a putback like I've ever seen before. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, but at least he's trying. Man, I'm, that, that's one of those <laughs> uh, b-ball index things I'm going to look up is how often he missed his putbacks because, man, he had a hard time with them. Oh, but I know. You, seriously, I mean, I just can't tell you how many times he just missed something right there in the middle. You know, it's, it, it comes right off the rim and he tries to put it back. And it's like, how many layups did that guy miss? But anyways, he is a solid player. He is a hustle player. He's those guys that you need off the bench to fortify that lineup so they're playing the entire game, the entire 48 at a high level. So do I think he's going to be back? Yes. I'm going to go with yes as well. Yeah, I think so too. He's a great character guy, and I think that the Suns are recognizing, hey, we need great character guys. We don't necessarily, you know, need guys. I don't know. I just I think that he's a great character guy, and that's what this team needs. So James Jones should bring him back. He's a restricted free agent, $5 million offer. Bring him back. All right, we got one more mailbag question, and this comes from at Evan Barkanik. At Evan Barkanik, and he says, thoughts on Alonzo Trier? I know that we talked about this a few podcasts ago, but it's definitely worth revisiting. Tell me what your thoughts are on Zoe Trier, Matthew. Very different situation where he was in New York. I just think that he didn't really get a chance, and I mentioned this before. And he's a guy that I really think can make a difference on the bench. I think he can really give some great energy. Just from the eye test, I've said this, this is like me repeating myself, but from the eye test, I think he has something that he can prove in the NBA and actually uh, contribute a lot to a team. I really think that. So I think the Suns should check him out, see what isn't, we got in this guy. Isn't it funny how like he played in New York, which is a really bad situation. They're like the Suns like oh. four years ago. Just and, but they've been that, that but they've been like that for two decades that's the difference like the sun when the suns entered like year three of ryan mcdonough we're like oh my god we're horrible like the knicks have been like that for like 25 years yeah so he but he didn't get a chance in new york that's what's sad it's like a place where they're looking to get quality players and he just he couldn't get that that chance with them it's just it's sad I, i'm a big it fan is. of Trier. I loved him in college. I think that he's a great uh, glue guy. He's a, somebody who, you know, he, he's a decent defender. 
You know, he, uh, he's somebody who, although his interior defense isn't best in class, you look at his uh, real adjusted turnover rate, and he's somebody who, you know, does a decent job at things like that. You know, he's a C, yeah, I mean, but he's, he's a guy who's not on a roster right now, so you're not going to expect to go see a ton of amazing statistics from him. But he is somebody who does get to the line, and he draws fouls. Uh, he's somebody who – his ISO foul draw rate, for example – 91 percentile in the NBA because he's somebody who's going to force the issue. He's somebody who meets a need. We need somebody who can back up Devin Booker. And that's not a point guard by natural trade. Somebody who is, although he's six, four, he forces the issue. And I think the Zotrier is somebody who is going to do that and provide the offense with a spark off the bench. And that's what we need. So uh, that's my thoughts on him. He's somebody who I think would be a great addition to the Suns. I kind of hope they bring him in here. We'll see if they actually do, huh? Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll test him out next year. I hope so. I hope that uh, the Suns bring him in. You know, he only made three point five million dollars last year, so I'm hoping they can find the money and untighten the coin purse a little bit and bring him in. Uh, that's all I got, uh, Matthew. You got you watching anything different? <laughs> uh, no, you know, actually, I watched. Um, it's a movie on Netflix called Last Train to, to Busan. Okay. Where's it's Busan? A, Don't tell me it's in the middle of the Atlantic. No. <laughs> it's actually in Japan. Okay. And I'm sure that's wrong too. But uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a zomb- it's a zombie movie, but oh, it's no shit. super sad. Like, it'll get you out of nowhere. It was really great. I watched that. You um, just watch a bunch of sad shit, man. Well, Afterlife, The oh, Train yeah. to Busan. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. You let out all those emotions that you can't, you know, where you usually hide in your car and do. You can do it here in your apartment or wherever you're at. <laughs> no matter what, you're alone when you do it. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Nothing. Uh, busy week, you know, at work. Uh, you know, nothing. getting ready to watch a little bit of MLB once we're done with this one. Just see the last exhibition game before the the regular season opening day kind of begins on Thursday. We'll see how engaged I am with that. Again, we've got fantasy baseball to do, so I guess I have to be engaged a little bit with yeah, that, but I don't too. know if I really want yeah. to. Yeah, isn't it sad, though? It's like I know. Normally, everywhere we're like, fantasy baseball, let's do this shit. Now well, it's, it's like, only 25 Ugh. bucks, though, too. Yeah, know, yeah, so, yeah. we've cut the pot in, in half so that helps, like yeah. six times. Yeah. It's just I feel like it's uh, it's just not as special as it normally is. Whereas like fantasy basketball, if we were doing that, I'd be absolutely head over heels for that because I just feel like it's going to be handled a lot better and that's by that i mean the nba versus the mlb yeah but yeah definitely but uh but that's all i got for this week again you can follow the sun's jam session at sun's jam on both instagram and twitter you can email the show sun's jam session at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at darth voida you can follow matthew on twitter at matthew Lucy. and that's all i have this week take care of each other take care of yourself go home and love your family (laughs) 